Well, church, uh, my name is Austin. I am one of the pastors here. And we've been going through this series um, for the last four weeks. It's called One Another. And we really believe, as Pine Lake, this is um, our special sauce uh, and what it means to be the body of Christ, not only here, but also around in our community, that if we get this right, as we really fully live into what Jesus is calling to as one another, that he will be made famous, our lives will be enriched in our communion with him. And so we're just praying that as you continue to walk through this, uh, that you stick with us, that you continue to pour into this idea of what does it look like to one another really well. So would you pray with me as we join in this morning? Father, I just am so thankful. I thank you for this space that you created for us to worship. Thank you that we have um, a place to worship. God, and I think um, about just that song that you are a finer. That we want to be tried by fire. And as much as that is hard to sing and maybe hard to ask, maybe some of us have felt like it has been a season of refining and not by choice. God, I pray that we will remind ourselves that you're good. That in this refining process, it's not to make us wonky, but to smooth us out, to create beauty. And so, God, I just pray that in this season, that we would sit, we would be refined, that we would become who you are creating us to be. So God, may the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing to you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So I love road tripping. And I don't like road tripping by myself. Um, And being a youth pastor for over 10 years, I got to do a lot of road trips with people. And I'm going to say this. I am a very good driver. I'll kick 13 hours like nobody's business, right? Minimum stops, one stop, just for gas, no potty breaks, just go, get there. Like, that's how I do it. Anybody else? All right. Or some of you are like, ah, no, I like to hit all the spots. Like, we stop every, like, two hours. We eat. We snack. We Like, I know those people. I'll tell you something, though. I'm a good driver, and if you're driving with me, I might stop, but it's going to be hard. But the thing that I'm not good, and you can ask my wife after, and she'll tell you the stories, I'm a terrible passenger. Terrible. If you want to road trip with me, let me drive. Don't let me be in shotgun. I am the worst. Um, and one of the reasons that I love driving is, um, is that I can't control everything, even though I like to control everything. That's why I drive. I like to control the pace. I like to how, control how fast we're getting there. But when somebody is sitting in the passenger seat, I have a couple responsibilities for you. You know, it's not only navigation, but one of the most important on a road trip of nav- of, of just being on this together is that your responsibility is to be a DJ. Okay? But here, let me tell you a little bit of something. I have some, I have some real issues with DJing because I've been with a fair few passengers in my life uh, that are shotgun. And let me tell you some of my pet peeves, right? My pet peeves of DJing is the unaware DJ. This is the one when it's early in the morning and late night. They're playing like something soft and smooth jazz. And you're just like... Right, like here, right? Or it's like chaotic in the car with all of our kids and you're playing something that's like really like going and you're like, oh my gosh, you are an unaware DJ. I don't have no time for that. Or let me tell you this one. 
Maybe you're the inconsistent DJ, right? You go from genre to genre every song. Like your playlists are so eclectic. You go from like smooth jazz to hard rock to rap to R&B to country, and I can't handle you. Don't get my car. Or maybe you're the skipping DJ. Like this is the one that, this happened the other day. I'm just kidding. So you, you know, when you're listening to musicals, right? And you're listening and the story also goes along with all the songs. But when you start skipping songs around, you drive me nuts, right? I need to hear the story of it play. I need to imagine myself. I've seen the movie. I've seen the musical. You better not switch songs. I don't care if you like one song. Stop it. Right? Or this is the, this one is, this one's the worst. This one, um, I, I won't name who it, maybe it's all my students. Uh, you're the skipping DJ. Which means like, you don't let a song finish. Like, you're a minute and a half and then you're on to the next song. And you're like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I love it. Okay, I'm gone. I'm done. And I'm like, you haven't even gotten to the best part yet. And you just skip to another song, please. People put time and effort in making a full song, not just a minute song for you, okay? Like, this is the thing. And, and, and then the last one, the last one, um, actually, sorry, yeah, that's the last one, and then never finishing. You just never finish things. And that means, like, a part of DJing means that I have to submit myself to you even though you might be one of these. I'll still road trip with you, I promise, but I might twitch a little, right? Like in, that's what happens, like I feel like with uh, life is that part of, you know, not being in control is um, submitting to one another. But you might be like, um, no, I don't do that. Like when I'm driving, it's my music, right? Any of you, any of you that, like if you're driving, it's my music. Like we're, I'm going to control everything and this is going to be my way. But I feel like that's the truth of the majority of our culture, Right? That our culture is that if we're asked to submit to one another, if we have the choice of the option to submit to somebody else, putting in control of something that we want to be in control of, we'll be told not to. If you have the choice between submitting or not submitting, I think our culture and the narrative they would tell us is not to because then you're letting go. You're less than. You're weak. You're, um, just not in a place of power. You're inferior. But here's the thing. While that is true in our culture, I would say that the narrative and the way of Jesus, being disciples and apprentices of Jesus, means that we are people who one another. And a part of that one anothering is submitting to one another. Following Jesus, apprenticing after him, it is a way of submission. And a little phrase that I like to think of as I kind of remind myself of this is that it says, if he is greater than me, if he is greater than me, then submitting to one another means that we are greater than me. Like if he is greater than me in this life of one another we've been talking about, then it has to be me being less than we, that we is greater than me. And so I want you to turn to your, uh, in your Bibles this morning, if you have them digitally or physically, uh, to Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to read uh, verses 15 through 21. Uh, it'll also be up here on the screen. It says this, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but wise, making the best use of time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine, 
for that is debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always for everything God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, I might, you might be asking, like, Austin, what in the world, why did you read more than just the one verse that talks about submitting to one another? Because actually context matters. When we are people of the book, if we are people of God's word, we don't just sit there and just try to find in the back of the Bible what it says about submitting and just reading that. The context of this is important because what is happening in Paul's letter to the Ephesians is he's finishing up a full section. Right? He's talking about to the Ephesians, this new way of life that you're living, this new way of love that you are called to, it culminates in submitting to one another. All these one anothering that happens throughout Paul's letters, especially in the, in the Ephesians, as he's getting to this end of this part, he's saying, now submit to one another. It culminates in submitting to one another. And I have to say this that we are all called to submit to one another. And you might be saying, like, Austin, I know what happens, like, after this section, because it's one of the most uh, important, or one of the most frequently preached about texts on submission. But here's the thing. This is why it's incredibly important, is that when we get to this piece, right before Paul is about to move into talking specifically about submission, he says this, submit to one another. Which means like this, like if we're in a group, group like this, he's like saying, hey, continue to walk this way of one another and be encouraging to one another, bear with one another, love one another, forgive one another, submit to one another. All y'all, everyone here, look around, submit to one another. We're all called to submit to one another. And then he would say this, right? If he's in there and he's writing the letter and they're all around and they're reading, they're saying, everyone submit to one another. Okay, now, if you're a spouse— if you're a kid, if you're a worker, this is what submission looks like. But that's the thing. The reason why he says submit to one another before he gets into the specifics, because he's saying that nobody then is exempt, right? Jesus is calling us to submit to one another. And then Paul's saying, this is what it looks like in special obligations. Specific obligations, this is what it looks like. But nobody's exempt from it. If you're living this way of one another, the way of life, the way of love, you submit to one another. And then it looks like this, to saying like, hey, everyone, you're called to submit to one another. Now, if you're a spouse, now, if you're a kid, now, if you're a worker, listen in closely. This is what I mean for this specific part of your life. But no one's exempt from loving and submitting to one another. We are all called. And I know like this is the hard part about it, is that I'm not coming here saying like, I want to guilt or convince you, or convict you. Like, I'm telling you that as apprentices of Jesus, we are called to live another way. And I have to say this simply, is that you won't submit to one another if you don't submit to Christ. Like, that's where he's talking about. At the end of what Paul's saying in this segment, it's like, if you don't, you'll never submit to one another. You'll never live this one another life, this one anothering, if you don't submit to Christ. 
Like, how can we submit to one another if we don't submit to Christ? And so this is what I'm saying. I'm not trying to convince you by what words that I have been convicted or I feel like this is my interpretation. I look at Jesus and I say, don't, don't just submit to one another. Like, don't just, like, go out of here and tell me that, like, you have to live this submissive life because I say so. But submit to Jesus. Like, submit because you love him. Like, submit to Jesus because you look at him and you're actually in love with him. Submit to him because you look at him and in your love for him, you don't want to disappoint him. Submit because he did so for you. Right? Submission in this place is not just like Jesus always saying, I'm just going to tell you what to do. He does it for you. Submit because he actually is king of the kingdom. That when we think about who Jesus is as he died, that he was the king of the Jews. He is the king of this kingdom, and we submit to him because he is the king out of reverence for him. Submit because it shows that you've heard his words when Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me. It means that you have to actually submit yourself to carrying the weight of the cross that he calls us to bear. That instead of saying, man, I don't really, I want to follow you, Jesus, but I don't really like that cross. Could you actually make it smaller and more and easier for me? But in just the same way that Jesus in the garden was like, not my will be done, Lord, but your will be done. That we say, Jesus, whatever cross that I'm called to bear, I'm going to submit to carrying it because I love you. I fear you. I have reverence for you. That You are the king. You're the one that I am giving my life to. So when it comes to one another, when it comes to submitting to one another in this text that we really feel is just hard, it sometimes is not what we're going to do. Like when it comes to submitting, here's where I am and here's where Jesus is. This is, this is me. This is me. Here's where I am and here's where Jesus is. This in the tension is the submission that I'm living at. And what I'm doing is saying, I'm looking at where I am. I'm looking at where Jesus is. I'm looking at my life and saying, where is the place that I need to move in this one another and towards submission to one another? That I am here standing firm in this desire to live a way of Jesus. And when it comes to submission, this is hard. I'm looking at the gap between where Jesus is and where I am. And my desire, my desire for Jesus is to take one step towards him. To take one step in what it looks like to live a submission life to him and to one another. I'm looking at the gap, and I'm inviting you to do the same thing. Is in your following of Jesus, in being a disciple of Jesus, as apprenticing after Jesus, your job is to look at where you are and where Jesus is and see the gap. And for some of you, it is really big. Maybe for me. You're like me. It's really big. This life of trying to submit to one another is really hard for you. Maybe it's your story. Maybe it's your life. Maybe it's things that's happened to you that you feel you've been taking advantage. And so the gap when Jesus says submit to one another, it brings up trauma. It brings up pain. It brings up stories where you're saying, I was living a life submitting to one another and there was pain. There was hurt. And so when Jesus asked me to submit to one another, I can submit to you, Jesus, but submitting to one another, mm, that gap is big because I'm afraid of it. I'm afraid of what's happened between. But Jesus, because I love you, because I actually really believe you are who you say you are, I'm going to step towards you. 
I'm going to step towards one another and submitting to one another. Because I really believe that he, that you, Jesus, are greater than me. And that in this one anothering, that I really believe that it is me in submission to we. That living this one another life is a reflection of who you are, Jesus. That though you were God, you did not hold on to that privilege, that power, but you laid it aside and you submitted to being a human being in the flesh, in all of it. Though you were God, you submitted yourself to bearing flesh. So in the same way, Jesus, when I look at myself and I look at you, and though I feel like I'm righteous, and though I feel like I have um, an authority and expectation and privilege and power, I'm going to set that aside so that I submit to one another. It has to be this we over me, and that is such a counterintuitive to our culture. It's antithetical to our culture to submit to, your, to one another, to submit to others, because we believe that if you allow yourself to be submitted, that somebody is going to reign over you. And it's true. That's why the way of Jesus is so beautiful. When we get it right, it's so countercultural. And the way that it looks like for us to submit to one another in love and in one anothering is so inviting. It is so attractive. It's like, how are you able to submit to one another when, when I submit to, to other people in authority in my life outside of the church? I'm taken advantage of. I'm ruled over. I'm hurt. Traumas, pain, baggage. So how do you as a community submit to one another? Well, I honestly believe, and I've been saying this this entire time, and I'll say it again. When it looks, when we try to find a picture, an image, and I like to think about of what it looks like to one another, you have to look at Jesus. You have to get past whatever we say this morning. And when you leave this place, you have to get an idea of who Jesus is. A realistic picture of who Jesus is by what he says he and he has done. That who those that saw him in the flesh described him as doing. And one of the most, one of the most important things that I've ever experienced when I talk about what does it look like to submit to us. Because you might be asking, Austin, when you said Jesus submitted to us as people, I think you're wrong. I don't think he did. I've searched the text. I don't think Jesus submitted himself to us beyond being in the flesh. But the thing, and we're about to celebrate communion after this, and one of the things that Jesus did is that he was going to share a meal with his friends. The last one he was going to have before he died, before he was crucified. He said, this is something that I must do. Like, have you ever had something that you must do? You can't leave the room without doing it or saying it or expressing it. Because when you leave, you're hoping that they leave and they keep something. Jesus is saying, when I leave you, I want you to keep this. Before we share our last meal, I want to show you one more thing. I want to do one more thing so that it'll be so impactful that you will mirror it is that when he, when they all gathered together in the upper room, that Jesus grabbed his robe, and what he did is 
he began to wet it. And that he said to his disciples, I must wash your feet before we eat. And this was the thing about washing feet. It was the lowliest of low things. It was below Jesus to dare touch the feet of his disciples. No teacher would do it. It was meant for slaves. It was made for people underneath you. The lowest of the low were the ones who were supposed to wash people's feet. And Jesus says to his best friends, and especially he said it to Peter. He's like, Peter, I must wash your feet. And Peter's saying, you will not touch my feet. Like, I don't think he says, no, Jesus, you can't. I think Peter was like, in the way that he is so dramatic in his thing, he's like, Jesus, you will dare not touch my feet. I will not allow it. And then, Peter, and then Jesus says this, you will have no part of me if you don't allow me to wash your feet. You will have no part of me. That Jesus is submitting himself to his disciples. That the teacher is putting himself down in submission to his disciples and doing something that is below his authority, below his stature. And he must do it. I wonder if in this way of showing it, that he says, brothers, sisters, unless you submit to one another like this, you have no part of me. What if one anothering in such our Western Christian mindset that submitting to us is the last thing that we do, that Jesus looks at us and says, to be a part of me, to have any part of me, you must submit to one another. And how many of us are saying, I would rather have no part of you than submit to you? Like Peter, I'd rather have no part of you for you to wash my feet. But this is the beauty Peter goes, fine, don't just wash my feet, wash all of me. Like, I don't want to just go the step of requirement. I want to go the whole way. I want it all. And so for us, in the way of submission, what if we like Peter and say, like, fine, I'll just submit to the pastors or I'll submit to the leadership, but not to this one another. What if we're like Peter and say, no, I wanna, I'm going to go, if it means being a part of you, Jesus, I want it all. Cleanse me all from top to bottom. Everything, cleanse me. Submitting to one another in love. And just think about it. Maybe close your eyes. That your, that my unwillingness to allow Jesus to wash my feet, to submit himself to me, what is in my pride? What is in my arrogance? What is in my spirit? that says, I will not submit to one another. Jesus, that I won't submit to you to doing the very thing that requires me to be a part of who you are. Can you name that thing? Can you name the thing that when Jesus comes to you and says, may I wash your feet? Because this is what happens at the end. He goes, I do this I do this, this thing, washing your feet. I'm not going to, don't worry, I'm not going to make you all come up and wash your feet. We're not going to be here for another three hours. I promise you. But maybe like, you know, kids, if you want to wash your parents' feet or like spouses, you want to wash each other's feet or like grandma and grandpa, you want to wash like your kids' feet. Like that's cool too. I would encourage that. But Jesus said this. 
he didn't only do it for them to show them that he was submitting to them. He goes, I do this. I teach you this in order that you would do this with one another. That he washes the feet of his disciples in order that when he leaves their proximity and space, that when they become the leaders of the thing that he calls the church, that this thing, when Peter is the rock of the church, when James and John are the rock of the church, when they are the leaders of the church, that they don't have this arrogance about them. They don't lead with, but you don't get to say anything because Jesus put me in charge, not you. But he said, in this building of the church, in this one another, I do this so that you will do likewise. That when you and whatever authority and power you have around you, that you will lay it aside so that you can be at the feet, untouching feet. That is what is beneath you is not kept from you. That Jesus, that whatever is beneath you, whatever is, if you won't let him touch your janky feet, My feet are janky. My feet are smelly. They peel. Will you wash my feet? Will you allow me to wash your feet? Or will you say, no, you don't want to touch that, Jesus. Austin, you don't want to touch that. Spouse, you don't want to touch that. Kids, you don't want to touch that. But we say, no, I must so that you will. We talk about good parenting. Like we want our kids to be good parents. And instead of telling them what to do, what if we were like Jesus and we showed them what it meant to submit to them instead of lording over them? This is why people ask me, and this is why I hear it all the time, is that people say, Austin, why in the world do you, like, when people see me and catch me doing this, because I don't, I don't try to do it in public, but when like, people catch me, like, cleaning the toilets in the church or vacuuming or taking out the trash, or just cleaning up what is not mine. They ask like, Austin, we don't pay you for this. I was like, I know. I know you don't pay me for this. And that this is below my position. But if it wasn't below Jesus, it's not below me. This is why I will always submit to one another. That's why I will always submit to our pastoral team. This is why as a team, we will get together and we will discern God's will together. That we submit together. That I don't say it's just my way or the highway. That I'll say, you want me to clean the toilets? I'll clean the toilets. I will come in a place that has been used, that's gross, that's grimy, And I will submit myself because Jesus submitted himself to what he should never have touched. In the same way that God, Jesus, and the way that he should never have to submit himself to the flesh. That if we just lived the way of the law correctly, he wouldn't have had to do this. But he submitted himself so that we might submit to one another. What does that look like? My question to you is, And the question to me, when I look at that gap between us, I say, in where Jesus is and where I am, when I look at his washing of feet, what pride, authority, privilege, fear is in this gap that's keeping me from submitting to one another? What is your junk? What's your hurt? Not that he just wants you to move it out of the way, but he wants to redeem it, restore it, so that you can do as he has done. Will you pray with me? Father, 
our desire is to make you famous. It's to make your love known, to say that what you did here on the cross wasn't in vain. But Jesus, that we look at your life. My desire is that my life would look echo. That would sound similar. God, you know my heart and you know that this week submitting to others is not what I want to do. I love to help, but I hate being told what to do. I don't like doing things that make me feel inferior, less than, a wounded animal, someone to be pitied. Jesus, when I look at you washing your disciples' feet, I didn't see you as wounded, broken, marred, less than. I see a beautiful picture of what it looks like to love. That it looks like to join ourselves to you so that we might join ourselves to one another. So when this week comes and we feel the Holy Spirit speak to us to to live this life of submission, I pray before we are triggered, we look at you. We are reminded of the way that you knelt at the feet of your disciples and wash them. Show us the way. Show us the way to one another that is different, that looks like you. You are our savior. You are a teacher. You are our guide. You are our traveling companion for the way. Father, come. Send your Holy Spirit as we commune with you. It's in your name we pray.